Take your Bibles and turn to Second uh, Kings chapter 19. Second Kings chapter number 19. My message this evening is uh, be a leader. It's possible for you to be a leader. Uh, in our day and age, there's a great need for it. And I've always been intrigued by the concept and the reality of leadership. We need it in our world. I've read many books about leadership. Uh, I've read a number of books by Winston Churchill about him and his leadership. And he was quite the character. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but definitely a leader. He definitely was a leader of men. Uh, a few years ago, I, I uh, read a book on leadership written by uh, a chief of defense staff. In my mind, one of the greatest ever, but I'm a little biased because he was a Newfoundlander. And it was General Hillier. Uh, and uh, he, his take on leadership was very heavily influenced by the military. Uh, but just leadership is important. And uh, we live in a day where it's not really in, in, in emphasized. And even in our Christian life, we, we forget, I think, or kind of get uh, our mindset is not that important. It's important to be a leader for Christ. It, that doesn't change. And it always has been and always will be. You know, our world is crying for a leader. Crying out. We need a leader. And one day, the, the world will cry for a leader and they think it will fix all their problems. That will be the Antichrist. You know, that, that, that cry will be answered. They think it will be answered and that's gonna, that's in the future. That's not right now. But the world's crying for a leader. Our country needs uh, biblical leaders, uh, uh, I think, and just the right kind of leaders. Uh, I'm thankful, uh, for leaders in our, in our country. I think of our former Prime Minister Harper. He claimed to be Christian. I've met numerous folks. Uh, who've met him and said he he was a Christian or at least had Christian testimony. Uh, we need to pray for our current prime minister. He needs Jesus above anything else. He needs Jesus Christ. Uh, so we need to pray for him. We need to be in prayer for leaders in our communities, uh, the Peel region. I mean, it's growing rapidly. Uh, people around the world are coming here in great numbers. We need to be praying for our leaders in city halls of Mississauga, Brampton, Calden. They, they need Christ. They need, they need to be leaders. We need leaders in our homes, amen? We need leaders in our home. Uh, we need dads to have some backbone and stand for something. Uh, Winston Churchill said this, uh, uh, you know, you have enemies, good. It means you stand for something. You know, you just need to stand. And not everyone's going to like where you stand. That's okay. You're going to keep on doing it. That's like David, right? We looked at him last week. Saul was after him. He was standing for righteousness, but he was hated. You know, so we just need to stand uh, for truth. Uh, I'm tired of the manby-bandy, hair-blown dads. Like, come on. Let, let's be men. We need them. Let's be men. And, and show our children how, and our, show our sons how to live uh, for dads. We need, we need to show some manliness. You know? Uh, I grunt, uh, sometimes I, my wife makes food. I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. that's not really manliness, but it's funny. And, but the idea is that, hey, think of the caveman thing, whatever. But the reality is just be a man. Our boys need to see it. You know, they don't see it in the world. Not, not the biblical type that they need to see for dads. And we need moms who lead their children in paths of righteousness. Not a, no vicious paths of gossip and bad talk. No, show them the path of righteousness. Uh, our church need young and old to stand up and be counted for Christ. We need folks to be willing to be taught the scriptures and stand against the winds of change. And you know, I was thinking about that this week. That's a, that's a terminology that's been around for a long time, but I don't think the winds of change are blowing anymore. I think they're hallowing. Like there's just a, it's a gale force wind. Change. Change. I mean, 
You can't go anywhere and not see it. It's just blowing a gale. You know, I can remember growing up in Newfoundland and going to the shoreline when there's a... I've actually gone to the shoreline when there's a hurricane. I am such a crazy newfie, okay? Went to the shoreline to see that hurricane hit the, hit the, the shoreline, and it's just blow. You don't, you almost get blown away. You're like a flag on a flagpole, right? Just flapping in the wind. And that's how the world is and saying, change, change, change. And we need to stand firm. We need to be in the rock, Jesus Christ, amen, and just be uh, leaders for Him. And let's remember there's nothing new under the sun. It, it's all been seen before. So we really need servant leaders. We, be a leader. And I, there's a couple passages we're going to look at this evening. First one is in Second Kings chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse number 14. The first point is a true leader understands it's not about them. It's not about them. And Hezekiah, verse 14, received the letter of the hand of the messenger and read it. And Hezekiah went into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, whom dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Shernachabim, which have sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For there were no gods, but they were work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand and that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God even thou only. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be together in your word. Lord, I pray that you help us be the leaders you want us to be. Leaders that need to be in our land today, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. Lord, give us your strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a little background here on this portion of Scripture. The nation of Israel is under siege. I mean, literally under siege. And there's no place to go. Jerusalem is locked up tighter than Fort Knox. You can't get in and you can't get out. The enemy is just outside the gate. I mean, they're there. And there's a great host of them. Uh, the Assyrian army is the enemy. And at that time period, the Assyrian army, Assyrian empire, was the superpower. All right? And, and, and Jerusalem, or Israel, uh, Judah, sorry, is not... A superpower. And they are held up in their, uh, their last fortress as such in Jerusalem. And, and they were there. The Syrian army was there. And, and they're looking to destroy and plunder. They're, they're looking to not leave this place until they get what they believe is theirs inside the city. Hezekiah was a good king. King of Judah. He was a godly king. He was, he was a king that loved God. And he was very concerned about the people doing right in the eyes of God. And in Scripture, has been uh, described to us that he was the greatest of the kings of Judah. I mean, that's that's a great description to be in the Word of God. Amen. You know, he was the greatest of the kings of Judah. I mean, he was a great man, uh, and he was a leader. But how did he get this distinction? How how did he become such a great leader uh, for Israel, for Judah? I should say. I believe it's because he had a relationship with the Lord. That was the first step. 
Hezekiah had a relationship with the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart. All his heart. He was active. This is how I know he loved the Lord. He was active in disposing and removing any images of gods in Judah. And removing the, the idols, he tore down the high places, uh, he tore out where the wicked acts of adultery were taking place. He was serious about removing any false god out of Judah and putting God where he needed to be first place in the nation. You don't do that unless you have a relation with the Lord. Because you know that that wouldn't be really popular, right? There's lots of people who wanted to do that, but he, he wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God. He wasn't going to get better poll numbers from the people. You know, he wasn't concerned about what they thought of him as a king. He was more concerned about, let's do right. Let's do right. And you don't get that unless you have a relation with Jesus Christ because in your sin nature, you don't want to do it right. You want to do what pleases the flesh. And you have you noticed that hardly ever pleasing the flesh does anything right? I mean, it never does. It's all about you. It's about your pride. I believe he had a vibrant prayer life as we read through this portion. This is a prayer that we just read from verse 15 on. He was praying before God. Uh, he was a servant leader. Uh, I, I believe to be a leader involves you having a real and vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't be the servant leader that God wants you to be without having Jesus Christ as Savior. You, you need Him. You have to have Him. You need to be saved. You need to remove anything that will inhibit uh, the Lord from having His rightful place in your heart. You need to tear down. You need to dispose of the things that might be stealing your heart from the Lord because that's an idol. And that's what Hezekiah did in the nation of Judah. You know, another thing I see here is that it was about others. He understood it wasn't about himself, it was about others. In this passage, the king never pleads to God say, Save me! Save my family. I've been a good king. And he was a good king. And I'm sure his family was a good family. And I'm sure he did everything he could to do what was right. But he says, don't, and he never says, save me. He refers to himself as the nation of Judah. It's not about me. It's not about King Hezekiah. It's about Judah. And every good leader knows it's not about them. It's about serving God. It's not about you. He was concerned about his people. The people were the most important part of his kingdom. Not the wealth, not the palace, or his mighty armies, or his nice castle. He prayed for them. When you think about that, you know, as I think about that, as I read this portion this week, and, you know, your king, if I was living in Judah that day, my king Hezekiah went to the temple, went before God, and he prayed for me. That's the leader. That's the leader. He cared enough to pray. He cared enough to pray. He was touched by the plight and the pain of his people. He cared about others. Everyone loves someone who cares about them, right? We do. We like people who care about us. Now, we all like having that boss who uh, cares about us, right? I mean, in the workplace, it's nice to have a boss who cares. Amen? Amen. No, I, I definitely like working in places where the boss cares. My dad was here this morning. He's gone to visit my grandparents, his mom and dad, over in Oshawa tonight. So uh, he, he would be embarrassed, 
I had this story all lined up. Then I remembered he was coming. I was like, oh, it's too late. It's in my message. It's going to happen. But he's over there, so he won't be embarrassed. I remember growing up uh, working for my dad. Now, sometimes that's a bit difficult. I'm going to be honest. Because the boo-boos I made at work got talked about at the dinner table sometimes. But at any rate, I can remember every Christmas Eve growing up, working for my dad, he would bring everybody who worked to Swiss Chalet. And at the time, there was only one Swiss Chalet in St. John's. And it had this room that actually was about this far down. It had three or four steps, and you went down into this really nice room, big fireplace, and it could seat about 30, 40 people, no problem. And my dad would, everybody, even the part-timers, everybody would come for Christmas Eve dinner. It was on the house. It was on Tire Mart's bill. And my dad would get us all there. And, you know, uh, He'd pray with us and you know, thank the Lord for another good season and, and pray over the food. And I said, now, boys, whatever you want. And like, you know, 18-year-olds, when they hear whatever you want at Swiss LA. You know, and I remember this one guy. He told me, he said, Mark, I'm not eating for a few days. I'm like, really? You think that's a good idea? Well, he didn't eat. But man, he ate there. He ordered a half a chicken dinner, half a chicken dinner meal. I didn't know that was possible. And then he had a whole rack of ribs meal. He ate all that, all the French fries. Then he had dessert. And I'd see my dad, he's in the corner, he's just shaking his head. Like, what a character, that kind of idea, right? But the idea, when I get together with my old buddies back in Newfoundland, they still bring that up. Mark, can you remember going with your dad to Swiss LA? That was so great. I mean, it's like it was just yesterday and they had the ribs, you know. But the reality is it made an impact on them because he cared. He didn't have to do that. That's not written in any bylaws of Newfoundland. You've got to do that with your company. You know, he just did it because he wanted to show appreciation. Good work, guys. We, we love uh, uh, leaders and people who care about us. And being a leader doesn't give you the right to be the meanest person. Have you met some people who uh, become leaders? Like they're given a place of responsibility. And it's like a light switch. Then they're mean. I'm like, what? That's not part of the manual, my friends. Uh, you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, I understand as leaders, uh, you have to make hard calls. You have to make decisions. You've got to be tough on some things. I get it. I know. But being harsh with your kids at being leaders at home, mom and dad, doesn't help you be better mom and dad just to be harsh. Now, you're not going to go in and they're fighting like cats and dogs. They say, now, Jimmy, you be a good little boy over there. I understand there's times when you've got to deal with it and you've got to be decisive. Yeah, I get it. But the idea is that we're just not being mean. And that's not biblical leadership. Now, a servant leader is going to take care of the problem, move forward, uh, spend time and show them that you care. Right? I mean, be a leader and show that you care. I mean, that goes way more than yelling at somebody. You know, I understand there's times when there has to be raised voices. I get it. I understand. Uh, but teach them what the Lord has done in your life. Show them the way as this morning as we dedicate Conley to Jesus Christ and for our life and our family as they try to raise her for Christ. The idea is that in that Deuteronomy chapter 6, teach of me, teach them diligently on in the roadside and at home and in bed, whatever. Just the idea that you're talking about the Lord. I try to pray for each other, folks. I try to pray for each other. I know I try to. I try to pray for everyone in our church and let them know that I care and pray for you. We need to be praying more. We need to be praying more. All the strategies, we can put the goodest, best 
the goodest. I'm really sounding like a newfie here tonight. Uh, we can put forth the best strategies that we could ever find, uh, but if we're not praying, they're a waste of time. We need to be praying. Pass along an encouraging word uh, to someone in the church who's serving or helping, whatever, just, to, just encourage them. Send a card or make a visit to one of our shut-ins in our church. Showing you care shows you're, you're being a servant. You're being a servant leader. And we need it. Look over in Genesis chapter number 12. <clears throat> I'm glad I wrote and told us this week that the weather's going to be shorter winter. I'm really praying for an early, early, early spring. I don't know if that's why my throat's so bad here tonight or today, but we're, we're a strange bunch. We look at rodents to tell us if the weather's going to be better. I don't know. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five, uh, seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Look over in 22, Genesis chapter 22. And verses just 1 and 2 of Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. You know, leaders, servant leaders, understand sacrifices are expected. Sacrifices are expected. So before Abraham became Abraham, he was Abram, right? And he was called out of his home country by God. He obeyed. How many of us here were born somewhere else from another country or from another province. Raise your hand. Born in another country or raised in a different province. So a lot of us, okay? So though God didn't call us out like he did Abraham, we understand some things about Abram. Because you left things that were very familiar to you, right? Especially if you're a little bit older, an adult or whatever. Things were really familiar to you. You were familiar how things worked in that part of the world. Because I assure you, things are working a little bit different where I'm from than where they, they work here. And we're in the same country. Okay? Uh, everywhere you go, there's something different. And you get, you, uh, it's amazing how, where you live and even the physical, uh, natural beauty or uh, topography or whatever makes you feel comfortable, right? I mean, for me, I think of the ocean and, and hills. Not real mountains like they got in B.C., but like mountain, uh, big hills. They just bring me comfort. I feel at home in those places, even if it's not Newfoundland. All right? I like to just go up and look at the, the in Niagara Escarpment sometimes. Like, yeah, that's it. You know, that's it. That's man country up there type of thing. 
I mean, and it's man country working on the farm. It's more man country there than anywhere else. But that's just what I'm used to. That's what I'm familiar with. So, and same thing with Abraham here. Abraham, he, he was called out of surroundings that were comfortable. He sacrificed comfort to obey the Lord. We don't like to sacrifice much today. And we especially don't like to sacrifice our comfort. And, but that's what the Lord told him. Oh, follow me. And that's a great lesson for us today. That we need to do the same thing. And then a little later on, so that's in 14, chapter 14, and in Genesis 22, now he's Abraham. Now he has a son in his old age. I have a friend who's having a baby and he's 40. I'm like, man, I don't know if I could handle diapers anymore. Oof, getting up in the middle of the night, oh my. And I was joking around with him. Uh, and he's like, yeah, stop it. I don't want to hear you talk about that. Uh, but the reality is Abraham was way older and he's having a baby. And, and then he has this, his only son, Isaac. He is a miracle baby. He should not have had a son. And the Lord tells him, now it's a trying situation. The Lord was trying his faith. The Lord was not looking for him to actually kill Isaac, but just he wanted to see where Abraham's heart was, what he would do. And he says, go, sacrifice your son on Mount Moriah. And after the Lord tells him, he goes. I don't know about you, but I think I will be doing some serious negotiations with the Lord. We would enter some hard bargaining situations. Like, I'll give you all my cattle, Lord. Anything. I'll get rid of my best servant. You can have him. Eliezer was one of his best servants, right? Have Eliezer. Whatever you want to do with that guy. Take him. But no. that And verse number 3 says he rose up early in the morning. So the Lord told him one day, the next day he went and did it. He went on the journey. I, I don't know how he was feeling. I mean, I got in a couple of ideas how he's feeling. He was looking at dreading this. He did not know this was just a trial. But he was willing to sacrifice if that's what the Lord wanted him to do. I've met some parents in my time, not here, thank the Lord, but in my time in ministry, who've pretty much lost it on their children when their children says, Lord, uh, Mom or Dad, the Lord's called me to ministry. I've heard them say such things as, you'll live such a deprived life in the ministry. No, you'll be so far away from me. No, you won't, you won't live the life like, you won't have a lot in life. Um, if you think that way, and I don't know what everybody's mind is here this evening, I'm just telling you from the experience I had in the past, if you do think that way, you have a very low opinion of God. And you're pretty much, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're <laughs> you have a, it's just not right. That right, that thinking is so incorrect. If you think serving the king in full-time capacity means that you will be deprived. Uh, it's just contrary. And actually, it's insulting to the high king of heaven. Uh, he's the king, amen? And he will take care of his servants. He, and I'm not saying that it's all going to be roses, because it's not. But what job is all roses? What calling in life is all roses? And listen, we all face trials. Uh, the king calls his servants and he'll provide for those servants. Uh, I can give you a testimony of the Lord taking care of me and my family. I was thinking about this afternoon as I was just putting the last touches on the message and stuff. And I can remember it would be nine years in June that we moved from Newfoundland to here. And we moved to the nastiest trailer that you ever did see in Erin, Ontario. We, we still had our house for sale in Newfoundland. We couldn't sell it. 
And I assure you that I could not afford to have two houses uh, on the go uh, in sense of bought. And I couldn't rent a home in Brampton. It was just way too much money with paying my mortgage in Newfoundland. So we found this little trailer for 500 bucks all in. I think I got ripped off still. Okay. It was a hole. I remember this one time we came back uh, from church on a Sunday night. It was a pretty good day in church. And I walked in the house <clears throat> and we had a uh, we still have a cat. We have a different cat now. But the cat that we had was at that time, she had massacred mice in the kitchen. There was body parts everywhere. And I'm like, what is... Stay outside, children! Get the body bags! It was disgusting. I mean, it was not nice. I mean, in, uh, in February, uh, we, we, the Lord provided, so we moved here in June. Uh, the 1st of July, we moved in that trailer. I mean, the summer was okay. It was kind of hot, but it was okay. But when fall came, we knew there wasn't much insulation in the walls. And uh, and uh, it was getting cold. And I remember the uh, couple of nights uh, on the weekends particularly, we just stayed with my mother-in-law here in, in Brampton uh, because it was warmer there than it was up in the trailer. And I remember one Friday night I stayed there, and I was uh, in the, the tiniest little room. I had the heater on jack. I had, like, all the blankets we had on top of me. And I was still cold. But you know, Lord provided. I don't live in a trailer today, and I haven't in eight and a half years. Lord provided a marvelous home for me and my family. He's provided. And there's other things and vehicles and, and life problems and, uh, you know, relationships and uh, you know, just so many things. You know what life's about. The Lord's provided. You know, for us, we've never lived close to my parents since 2001. The closest We've ever lived is 600 kilometers. Not exactly an easy day's drive. And, and now we live over 3,000 kilometers away. So, you know, I understand that there could be times if the Lord calls a certain person. It doesn't have to be a young person either. But calls someone to ministry, we'll be separated. But I was thinking about it this week. It's never about what you think is the best place. It's always the right place is where God wants you to be. Because we can come up with all kinds of places where we should be, and that would be the best place for me. But it's not about what you think is best. It's what God thinks is right. And that's a true leader, a true servant leader will follow his king. You know, tonight, folks, in Canada, there's at least 15 churches, at least 15 churches needing a pastor. Tonight, there's someone, maybe a deacon or maybe a special speaker. Pastor Thiessen has been doing a lot of that, filling in in churches where there's no pastor. They would love to have a pastor. And they're searching. They're looking. And there's numerous cities in our country that with no church like ours. And I need someone like what Pastor Thiessen did here. He came here and he started this church. We need more people to go out. Uh, you know, just in Ontario alone, there's numerous cities with over 100,000 people that's not a church like our church there. I think it's Sudbury. There's 160,000 people and there's not one independent Baptist church there. That's a lot of people. and They need a good church, amen? We need to be praying for people to go. I think about the Peel region and a GTA, millions of people and there's not many churches. I'm praying the Lord will call people from our church to go start churches and pastor churches. It's going to take servant leaders who will be willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. You know, we hear all kinds of things on the news. Our, our country needs this. Our country needs that. We, we don't need another bailout. We don't need a new memorial discovery. What our country needs is Jesus. 
It needs churches that will be started or pastored uh, by men who will say we are going to serve Jesus. We're going to proclaim the message of the gospel and be lighthouses in all the corners of our land. That's what that's what she needs. Canada needs. Look over in uh, First Kings, uh, chapter number seventeen. <clears throat> Verse number 9. Servant leaders, being a leader, understands everyone can do something. First Kings 17, verse 9. Arise. So verse 8. And the Lord, uh, word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. So that's not Israel. That's not where Jews live. This is a Gentile area. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded the, uh, a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may, that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go, and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now, this portion of Scripture is often referred to at mission conference time. I've heard it preached numerous times. And Elijah is told by God to go to this lady. It's evident, right, in that scripture. God told him to go. He obeys. He's a servant. He follows the Lord's direction. And when the prophet arrives, uh, he asks that lady for some water first. Then he asks for some food. And there's nothing unreasonable about what he asks. He didn't ask for a four... Uh, Four steaks or, uh, you know, give me a burger and fries or anything. You know, he's just asking for something really plain. And the lady tells him, this is the last of the food. This is it. Once this is served, I don't have anything else left. <clears throat> you know, we, we live in such a day of so much access to food, it's hard to think of, of that. I mean, I, I, I know I was guilty of this growing up. I go to the cupboard, board, uh, bear, uh, to the cupboard area, pantry, open it up. There's nothing here to eat, Mom. There's all kinds of food in there. It's just not what I wanted to eat at the time. Not what I wanted. You know, the want, right, instead of the need. You know, uh, and uh, and I know the day even happens with all our children probably. They look in there, there's all kinds of food. Ah, there's nothing there I want to eat. Oh, listen, we we don't understand how, what the situation's like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have been there. Listen, there was nothing in the pantry. There wasn't a crumb of anything left in there. If anything, it was just dust. It's empty. And Elijah reassures her that that oil will not fail, neither uh, will the barrel of a meal. And that's easy for him to say because he's saying, feed me first, then feed yourself. 
But the woman does as she was asked. She's serving, right? This lady's serving a lot. I mean, no one would have got upset with her and say, yeah, you know, that was really mean that you didn't give him the last of your food. Right? No one would be upset. But he, she says, okay, I'll be the servant. I will feed the prophet the best I could. And the food did not just last for a day. It lasted for many days, for months. She went back then. It was just enough to make. And she used what she had at her disposal to be a huge blessing to Elijah. The man of God. I've heard many times from when I first started in the ministry as a youth pastor, I was assistant pastor, senior pastor. I've heard things of this nature. Pastor, I can't do much. Uh, I don't have any talents like the singers. I can't play the piano like your wife. I've heard that one a lot. I can't play the piano like your wife. I can't deal with the kids. They drive me crazy. I heard that one a few times too. I can't handle the teens. They have too much energy for me. I mean, I just, I'm stressed out just thinking about it. All right. I totally understand that everyone can preach, sing, or sing groups, or sing solos, or play the piano. But you know what? Y'all can listen to the Word of God being preached. You say, well, that doesn't sound like much service to me. Hey, we all need to be served by the Word of God. We need to be in church. Uh, you can be at church whenever you can be. I know sometimes jobs, schedules get conflicts and things happen, but be in church. You know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, unless the weather's bad, uh, unless we're at the ranch, you know, we're usually here. Be here. Serve the Lord. Come here. Uh, you can pray for our church. Amen? Pray for our church. Pray that we'll reach more lost folks for Christ. Now, this week I was passing out some tracts and talking to some people, trying to get them to come. And Hey, we need to be busy about that, but we need to be praying about it first. Now, it's not a constant place of prayer and we don't go ever out. If you're praying about that, God will bring people across your path. That's what I find. Pray about it. I pray for the unity of our brethren. That might not be our theme this year, but we still have, need to have unity in the brethren. You know, pray uh, that the Lord will provide for our needs, our fiscal needs for our church. He's all-powerful, amen? You can do something. And don't ever think that prayer is at the bottom. That's the most important. Be in prayer. You might say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't have lots of money or resources to give. How about you just set aside some time each week and serve the Lord in some capacity? So I mentioned to you, I read that book by General Hillier about leadership, and he had a really amazing story in that. Uh, he had a story about going to a nursing home in rural Newfoundland to hand out medals to the Granny Brigade, he called it. Okay. The Granny Brigade was not a large unit, and it definitely was not reg- regular force or reserves, okay? Uh, it wasn't big. The unit comprised of 27 senior ladies and one senior man. That poor fellow. <laughs> I've thought about him a lot this week. I, I don't know why, but I think you knew why. But anyway, uh, they, the reason why General Hillier and his entourage showed up in this little rural nursing home in Newfoundland is because the Granny Brigade had written thousands of letters to servicemen around the world. They had spent their time doing it. And he was there to award medals. I can't remember the name of the medal. But as I read that, I was like, that's amazing. That's so cool. One of the ladies was 103. She got someone younger, so that means just about anybody else in the nursing home. (laughs) She got someone younger than her to write out what she was saying because she couldn't write anymore. 
I, I read that story and I thought, you can't tell me you can't do anything. Maybe you got to get a little creative. You think that 103-year-old got a little creative, right? If anything, she could have said, I'm, I've done my time. And they were like, yep, you have. You are the patriarch of Newfoundland. <laughs> I mean, 103. But she found someone who was younger and said, hey, this is what I want you to write to this soldier or this airman or this sailor. Hey, you can get involved. Find something. Uh, work a, work, I mean, I would, you would have never known about the Granny Brigade. You would have never known about all those letters if I never told you. But those guys and those men and ladies who have been serving our military, they got those letters and they knew who the Granny Brigade was. And they were super thankful for them. Imagine that the Granny Brigade was found out by the, the chief of the defense. And he's like, that's so important that I'm going to go and give them medals. Hey, you, you can encourage in the battle, amen? You can be an encouragement. You can be a leader. Get involved in the greatest cause on the face of the earth. And that's serving Jesus. That's the greatest cause. Get involved in the local church. Hey, when you hear something preaching that's good, it's good to say amen, amen. There's nothing wrong with it. And I don't think for a moment that I'm up here my head's exploding with pride. I don't hardly ever hear it. I'm so busy concentrating on the Word. But just say amen because it's good. It's true. Let it be so. That's what the word amen means. Hey, if the Lord is leading you to full-time service, don't you run away from it. Don't you balk at it. Embrace it. And watch the Lord provide. Uh, I can I can think of uh, people that I told uh, when I first knew the Lord was calling me in ministry, like, oh yeah, we'll see how that works out. I'm so glad that God worked it out. You know, God's in control. He's watching over. You know, maybe the Lord is is working on you about some other, I mean, maybe not full-time, but maybe some other ministry or some other form of service. Embrace it. And maybe maybe something like the Granny Brigade to write letters. Hey, we got missionaries who love to hear from you. Why not uh, write an old encouragement to a fellow believer? You know that something's not right. You know, you know that off a little bit. Maybe you know some really personal detail and they're having a hard time. Encourage them. You're being a servant leader. Maybe a phone call will be a good thing. I mean, whatever it is, just encourage. Uh, servant leaders uh, get behind the cause of Christ and they labor for the Master. Their communication lifts up. It doesn't tear down. Let's watch what we say. Hey, don't be a saboteur of the unity of the church by speaking ill. Be a faithful supporter of the church by lifting up the name of Christ. Lifting up your brothers and sisters. If you're going to be a servant leader, the Lord desires for you to be, you need to be in the Word of God. Now, I, 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 I know, I don't know how, I think I say this every time I preach. Because it's so important that you need to be in God's Word. I, I, I've read some really startling statistics. And these statistics are from the States, I know. I don't think we're doing any better in Canada. If anything, it's probably worse. But I'm going to give you some really starting statistics right now about Christians and reading the Bible. Only 20% of Christians have ever read through the Bible once in their life. And the Bible is our book of knowledge. That's, this is, the, this is our, our guidebook. And only 20%, so that's 2 out of 10, have read it through once. Actually, and so what I did is I combined that. So 
I think it was 11% have read it through once. Only 9% of Christians who were in this survey said they've read it more than once. So less than 1 out of 10. Like That's crazy. 45% have only read half or several portions, large passages of the Bible. Only half. Another 20% of Christians in the survey say they don't hardly read it, or if they do, it's just a verse once in a while. And then we wonder why Christianity is so weak. Well, we don't need to wonder. Because we're not even in the good book. And I I mean, we need to be in the Bible to know what it says. To give an answer. I mean, I, I don't have all the answers, but I know where to go to get it. You know, and no wonder when I talk to some uh, college and careers uh, in Christian realm and, and they say, I don't got a problem with doing this or I don't got a problem with doing this and it's, a, it's contrary to the Word of God. I said, well, that's what the, what the Bible says. And they're like, well, well, you know, whatever. No, it's not whatever. What does the Bible say? What does it say? You've got to know it. You know, and for me to say it to you, it's my responsibility. If I did not preach it, I would be responsible to God, amen, for not telling you the truth. But I can get up here and say it all the time, but if you don't take it, that's your responsibility. And you will stand accountable for that one day, not me. I have the responsibility to preach the truth and lead the church the right way. Amen, amen, amen. And that's what I'm trying to do. But you have the responsibility to be in this Word and know what is true. And get in it and dig in it and see what it is. Folks, uh, you need to be in the Word. And you know what? We have such amazing access to the Word of God. We are blessed. We have such amazing access. You can have it on your cell phone. You can have it on your computer. You can have it on what any kind of tablet you want, written form. You can read it or you can have it read to you. You can be lazy like I am on some some days when I'm driving to work. I stick it in my car, uh, plug it in, and I listen to passages as I drive to work. Pastor, you're so lazy. Hey, you know what? Just absorbing the Word of God is good for you. Hey, it's better than half the junk that's on, half, 90% of the junk that's on the radio. You know, listen to that. Let that absorb into your mind. Get saturated in the Word of God. You're never going to reach a saturation point where you can't accept more. Get in it and know it and read it. You know, just find ways that will help you. Walk with the Lord. Be in prayer. We need people to be in prayer. Servant leaders care about others. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. He's our hope, right? Our hope is Jesus. We need to be showing that to those around us. Jesus truly changes everything. And servant leaders understand that he or she... They probably will have to sacrifice. You're, 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 some of the sacrifices might be small. You know, I'm so thankful for my parents that they never give me a hard time that I live 3,000 miles away from them. You know, my dad shows up and one of the first things, he, I mean, we're still on Airport Road. And dad's like, how's church going, Mark? He hardly knows any of you, but he cares about you. He cares about this church. Now, I understand one of the biggest reasons he cares because I'm here. <laughs> I understand that. But he cares about the church. He wants the church to do well. You know, he, he wants to see it go forward for Christ. And he's, and he's fine with the sacrifice that he doesn't see his grandbabies all the time. 
That's why we go on family vacations together, so we can spend time with them. Hey, he's okay with that sacrifice. It's a sacrifice because, hey, I left what was familiar. Sometimes the sacrifice is small. Some of the ones are really big. But a servant leader is ready and willing to sacrifice. A servant leader knows and understands that everyone, including them, can do something for the cause of Christ. And, and, and we're all different. Aren't you glad we're all a little different? I'm sure glad that you all are. Sometimes I don't understand why you do some things. And there's, I'm sure there's times you're like, well, I don't understand what Pastor Mark's doing. I don't understand. You know, I, I, hey, we're all different. We all can do something. And we all have different abilities. Some of us have more talents. Some of us have less talents. Some of us have very few talents. But we all have something. Use it. Use it for Christ. I'm going to use it. I'm going to do my best. Uh, be an encouraging voice in a dark day. You understand that our enemy, he is bound and determined to destroy and to deceive people. And you know one thing I've really noticed in the last little while? With all this, you know, who am I thing? You know, my identity. Am I a female or a male or what? I mean, all this other stuff. Right now, it's such a it's such a attack upon deceiving people and making them think they're worthless or unlovable. I see children. I see teenagers. I've met adults who struggle with that. You know who loves them? Jesus does. And we should too. We need to show them Jesus' love. Jesus loves them. Let us show them that love through our actions, through our words. He can and He will enable you to serve Him in ways you never thought possible. Hey, 20 years ago, when I started in the ministry, full-time ministry, I never thought I would be here. I thought I'd be in small, rural Newfoundland the rest of my life. But God had other plans. And they're greater than my plans. They're much greater. And we need to be willing to be servant leaders. Follow what the Lord has for us. Just follow. Will you be a servant leader? And that choice is really yours. I could preach this message every Sunday night. I won't. But I could preach it every Sunday night. But at the end of the day, you decide. I'm going to tell you right now... Following the Lord, being a servant leader, is a wonderful decision that you can make. Have you made it?